Alhamdulillah. All right, inshallah, guys, we will start soon. We're just going to let some people log on uh, as people are discovering the live feed, inshallah. Uh, just to review uh, really quickly, uh, my apologies. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa ala Rasulillah. As always, we begin by praising Allah, sending our peace and blessings on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. Uh, so last week, we covered in the fiqh of uh, Ramadan, uh, number one, the obligation of fasting the month, uh, some of the benefits of fasting uh, in Ramadan, when does the month of Ramadan uh, start and how that is that is calculated, how do we start and end the fast uh, in each day, how that is begun and calculated. So this, this video was, uh, we, we, did this, we did this session last week for the first part, so if you missed any of the topics that I'm listing now, you can go uh, through our feed, inshallah, find uh, the, the one from last Sunday. And, and review that, inshallah ta'ala, or we can take questions at the end. But we did cover how to start and end the fast in the day of Ramadan. Uh, we covered uh, who was obligated to fast, who was exempt from fasting, uh, and we covered uh, the suhoor, the morning meal and the sunnah of, uh, of having that, that suhoor in the, in, the, in the morning time. We covered iftar when we break our fast, uh, and uh, some of the virtues and sunnahs around it. So today, inshallah ta'ala, Hopefully we're going to get uh, through all of this. We're going to cover, uh, probably the largest chunk will be what breaks the fast. What is it that will actually break your fasting? Um, and how you make up the days, if you have to make up a day for fasting, or how you pay the fidya, or what is the fidya, etc. That you have to, uh, that you have to um, uh, pay in order for uh, making up a missed day if you fall into that category. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what ruins the fast spiritually. Uh, and then inshallah, hopefully we'll get to cover a little bit of taraweeh and uh, a little bit about zakatul fitr inshallah ta'ala. So we can uh, be ready for uh, this month in terms of being mindful of what the rituals are, what we're supposed to do, what we're, uh, and avoid what we're not supposed to do. And then inshallah at the end, if you guys have any questions, and I have a list of some common questions that people have asked, uh, we will go over inshallah ta'ala those as uh, as well so inshallah we'll begin uh, with what breaks the fast Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. so again we're aware that when we uh, start our fasting we're, we're supposed to abstain from certain things right and those certain things are uh, in the daytime eating drinking and eating and drinking or anything that is considered eating and drinking or has the benefits of eating and drinking and uh, intercourse as well so intimacy with our spouses is one uh, one other area that, that we're supposed to avoid in the daytime. So the first thing I want to cover, inshallah ta'ala, is the fact that intercourse during the daytime does break the fast. Uh, and what must be done uh, in, in order to compensate for that? Number one, the day must be made up. So every time you're missing a day of fasting, if you're capable of fasting later on in the year, you will make up the day of fasting. But for breaking the fast by intentionally uh, having intercourse during the days of Ramadan, there is also an extra penalty that must be paid, and that is called the kafara. Uh, Quran, uh, the kafara, the expiation for that is number one, freeing a slave. If one cannot free a slave, then the second one is fasting for two consecutive months. Two consecutive months of, of fasting. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if one is not capable, physically capable of doing that, then uh, then it is feeding 60 people. So basically, uh, one person for each day of two consecutive months of fasting. This was uh, narrated in a hadith where a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he confessed that he had uh, committed this, uh, this, this sin in the days of Ramadan. He had intercourse with his wife. And then so the Prophet ﷺ told him, uh, are you able to free a slave? And he said, no, I can't. I can't afford to do that. Then he said, are you able to fast two consecutive months? And he said, no, I'm not physically capable of doing that. And so he said, then can you feed 60 poor people? And he said, no, I, I'm not financially capable of even doing that. And so the Prophet ﷺ kind of let him go. And then somebody brought in a um, <clears throat> uh, like a, a bunch of dates. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, call that person back. And he gave him the dates and he said, take these dates and hand them out as sadaqah 
to the poor people, right, as an expiation, because you couldn't do even these three things, hand them out as an expiation. And he said, uh, there is no one in this city that is poorer than my family, meaning we are already in need ourselves. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he laughed. He laughed at this and he said, that's fine, you know, give it to your family uh, and, and spend it for them. And so you see a, a couple of things here. Number one, from the fiqh side, you see uh, the, the order of uh, expiation that's supposed to take place. So freeing a slave, fasting two consecutive months, feeding 60 people, uh, if you cannot do the, the one that is above. And again, this is only for the person that has intercourse during the day and breaks their fasting through that, uh, through that means. And so you, we see that order of events. But we also see something uh, really interesting in, in the interaction that the Prophet ﷺ is having with a person who has intentionally broken their fast in a way that uh, it demands them to uh, not only make up the day, but to pay a compensation. So this is a sin. This is a sin that, that has been committed, right? Uh, purposefully breaking the, the fast in the day of Ramadan. And the Prophet ﷺ is using a solution-based approach. A solution-based approach. You know, he's not going into too many details as to why it happened. Now he's focused on getting him past this point and to the next step. And when he realizes that this is a person that can't even meet the... the, uh, the the, the qualifications to fulfill the expiation, you know, he's he's offered, you know, uh, uh, something to give in sadaqah as a sadaqah. And when he says, I can't eat, you know, there's no one poorer than me to give it to, then he gives it, takes it home to his uh, to his family. So you see, subhanAllah, a lot of compassion and flexibility from the Prophet wasallam in terms of applying the rules here. But uh, you also see the dealing that the Prophet wasallam had with uh, someone who had intentionally broken their fast. It was a solutions-based approach. And you want to just kind of use that uh, that beautiful example of Rasulullah when we deal with people that commit sin. SubhanAllah, there's many, many interesting things you learn from the Sunnah of the Prophet. So that's the first thing that breaks the fast and what must be done uh, after uh, that. That is done. Again, it's a sin. You we should not do it. We should avoid it. But if the, somebody has intercourse during the days of Ramadan intentionally, they make up the day and they have to pay uh, the kafara for uh for that uh for that act so the second thing that kind of uh comes uh, off of this is any releasing of seminal fluids right from the private parts and this is also something we have to be familiar with it breaks the fast right so uh, uh doing anything being involved in any way shape or form ha you know in in releasing your seminal fluids so masturbation is one of those things uh you know uh looking at you know images or etc things like that that are going to cause you to uh, to release any kind of seminal fluids, that absolutely does break your fast. But the kafara, the expiation, is only for intercourse. So for something, anything else that breaks your fast, you have to make up, uh, make up the day. So if you're being intimate with your spouse, uh, but not to the length of intercourse, and then you, uh, you know, you have any release of seminal fluid, you will make up, uh, make up the day as well. Uh, but these th uh, releasing uh, intentional release of seminal fluids does break the fast, and the exemption here is if it's uh, out of one's control. So you know during uh, sleep, uh, or you know it's it's it just happens and it wasn't it wasn't in uh, in your control, then it's uh, it's excused. It does not break your fast. And you do not have to make up the day. Uh, and again, the kafara is only for uh, for intercourse. Okay, <clears throat> I wanted to get that out of the way. Now we're going to talk about the other things that break uh, your fast. Uh, next, obviously, is eating or drinking intentionally. Eating or drinking intentionally. This is the second thing we're going to cover now uh, when it comes to the things that break your fast. Uh, if you eat or drink out of forgetfulness, uh, then this is something that is excused. It does not break your fast. Give Even though you took something in your mouth uh, and you took water or food in your mouth, this is due to the hadith in uh, Sahih Bukhari from the Prophet that whoever forgets and eats or drinks while fasting should finish their fast as it was Allah who nourished them in the first place. It was Allah who gave them to eat and it was Allah who gave them to uh, to drink. And so subhanAllah, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intervenes, makes you forget and allows you to have a sip of water or, or a morsel of food. And this is from the mercy and rahmah and, and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a gift in the days of Ramadan when you're supposed to be fasting, but Allah makes you forget to the point where you actually eat. And he says, this is Allah who fed him, Allah who gave them uh, to drink. And so don't beat yourself up if you forget and you take a sip of water or you drink uh, or you, you eat something in the days of, of, of fasting. Rather, just say, alhamdulillah, continue your fasting because it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself that intervened and 
and cause you to do that. So it's not a, a cause to beat yourself up. If it was an unintentional, you forgot, just, you know, don't freak out. Continue with your fasting. There's no need to make anything uh, anything up. Eating or drinking uh, also just includes taking anything uh, in your... Uh, um, into your throat or stomach, right? So anything that will reach your throat or stomach generally will uh, will break the fast. That includes water reaching uh, your throat from the nose and the Prophet uh, discouraged people from taking water during wudu too deep into the nose while they're fasting, right? Um, so you don't want that water to go into your, your, your throat. And again, just let's be practical here, right? A lot of, all of us, hopefully, when we make wudu, I don't think we're taking water so deep into our noses that we're actually drinking that water down our throat, right? It's kind of disgusting, isn't it? But we're, we're, I think we're pretty careful in general about not getting that water uh, going down the throat. But it is a possibility. So just be extra cautious in your fasting uh, days that when you take water in your nose for wudu, you're not going as deep even as you normally go. And um, just as a habit, if you have a habit of doing that, don't, you know, stop. Don't let the water go down your throat anyways. It's just kind of weird. It's going through your nose and in your throat. Ugh, not something you want to do. Uh, any form of nourishment that you receive uh, through the veins, including blood, uh, that that will break your fast. So there are two types of things here we want to want to talk about. Um, number one, we talked about those that are exempt from fasting, uh, and those are n number one people that are sick. So if you need to have an IV plugged into your arm, giving you nourishment, replacing the food and water that you're not getting uh, from eating and drinking in your body. You should not be fasting in the first place. You're sick, right? You're ill. You, you're in the hospital for treatment. You're getting an IV put into your arm. You don't need to be fasting, right? You make up the day later. If you if that's not something that's going to change, then you would just pay the fidya, which is feeding a, a poor person for each day. We talked about that uh, last week. We'll talk maybe a little bit about that again towards the end when we talk about making up days. But any form of nourish, anything that is nourishing to your body, that will break your fast, whether you take it through the mouth or whether it's given to you through your veins. And blood is considered a form of nourishment. So if you are receiving blood, that would break your fast. Now, again, if you need to receive blood, that means you're likely sick and you should not be fasting in the first place. You should be making those days up later and dealing with your sickness right now. Uh, you know, uh, any, any injections that are not nourishing... Uh, but they're used for regulating your body and curing and all this kind of stuff. They do not break your fast. The number one example of that is insulin. Uh, you know, taking insulin is not a replacement for, you know, the food and water that your body needs, etc. So that will not break your fast. And consult our Muslim doctors, inshallah. We have the workshop coming on the 18th. But uh, uh, for, for more specifics on certain kinds of things, uh, shots that you need to take. But... Um, this is, this is, you know, if it's nourishing, then it'll break your fast. If it's not nourishing, it won't break your fast. So a lot of, a lot of the, 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 the stabilizers people need for their illnesses are not actually nourishing. Now, if you're taking medication, pills that you're going to be putting into your mouth and, you know, down your throat, that is considered eating. The mouth is a, uh, uh, you know, a passageway for food and it is a passageway for uh, taking that food into your body. So that is considered eating. That will break your fast. But if you can regulate your medication times, Right to be at suhoor and at maghrib time. If that's possible, then uh, you can you can make that adjustment. If it's not possible and the medication you need is is uh, is absolutely needed, because if you don't take that medication, your health will get worse, your illness will get worse. Then you are excused from fasting because you are considered ill and you are considered sick. If you can make those days up later. That's that's better. And one of the things uh, the, the Fuqaha suggests is making up the days in uh, the winter time when the months are when the days are shorter. So then you can actually adjust your your window of uh, of medication if you can. And again, if you absolutely cannot because you need that medication to regulate your health, uh, you know, on a, on a more continuous basis throughout the day, you are considered someone that is ill that will not get uh, well soon. And you would just pay the fidya, which is, again, feeding a poor person for uh, for each day. Uh, so again, that's just some things with regards to eating and drinking uh, uh, intentionally. And again, if you um, do that unintentionally, your your fast is fine. If you do it intentionally, you have to make up the day, or pay the uh, you have to make up the day, right? If you if you break your fast uh, intentionally, uh, losing a lot of blood and or giving blood uh, is also considered a uh, something that breaks your fast. Um, and that's again at large quantities, you know, larger than than normal. That would break your your uh, your fast again. If you lose a lot of blood, you're probably not going to be feeling very well. You're going to be sick. You need treatment and, uh, and 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 cure and care. So again, you do not need to be fasting then, anyways. And uh, uh, hijama, 
or when you when you get the blood drawn out from your body. There are different opinions amongst the scholars on this. The safest one, again, is that it does break the fast. So avoid that in the days of, uh, of Ramadan. Something else that breaks the fast is intentional vomiting. If you vomit intentionally, that will break your fast. If you vomit unintentionally, it will not. Again, you're kind of noticing, hopefully, inshallah, a pattern here. Eating and drinking intentionally will break your fast. Releasing seminal fluids intentionally will break your fast. If it happens unintentionally, it will not break your fast. So hopefully you're seeing the pattern here about uh, the, the things that break your fast and whether or not it's, it's most times is dependent on if they're done intentionally or unintentionally. And the reason we say uh, intentional vomiting breaks the fast is because of a hadith in, uh, narrated by Imam Abu Dawood where the Prophet said, that if one is fasting and uh, you know he's suddenly overcome by, by vomit, then it will not, there's no need to make up the day. Meaning the fast is still valid, there's no need to make up the day. But if they themselves make themselves vomit, then they have to make up uh, the day. They have to make up, meaning they broke their fast, they have to now make up the day later on in the year. So intentional vomiting does break uh, does break the fast. Alright, some common questions that come here, and I think this is pretty much... Uh, pretty much it for you know things that actually break your fast and we'll take more questions but I, I do want to address certain questions that commonly come up uh, during the days of Ramadan in our times uh, inhalers do in does taking an inhaler break your fast uh, the fuqaha have said no the inhaler does not break uh, your fast it's not nourishing it's a stabilizing regulating type of medication it's not nourishment you're not eating or drinking anything uh, and so an, an inhaler will not break your fat uh, break your fast if you have to get a gastroscopy done uh, during the days of fasting, it will not break your fast. Again, you're not eating or drinking uh, anything likely, and that, that should not break your fast. And again, if there's uh, if there's anything that accompanies it that is considered nourishing, that would break your fast. But again, uh, you know, if, if, if you need to take something, some water, along, whatever with the procedure, and that procedure has to get done, you know, you, you, you probably have an illness that you have to deal with. If, you, if you're if you confused about it, just make up the day later. But inshallah, gastroscopy will not uh, break your fast. Receiving oxygen does not break your fast. We breathe in and out all the time. Uh, it's, a, it's a question people ask. We give the answer to it, right? So when you breathe in, you're taking in oxygen anyway. So if you're receiving oxygen, it's not eating or drinking. That will not break your fast. We mentioned insulin will not break your fast. Uh, questions come up about uh, nasal sprays, eye drops, ear drops, etc., uh, with nasal sprays, because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, when he said, you know, don't take water so much into your nose that if it goes into your throat, you know, that can break your fast, etc. So for nasal sprays, if nothing reaches the throat, it's fine, it can be used. And I think more often than not, uh, you're probably not getting, you know, something going into your nose and then down your throat and then down into your stomach. Uh, but if, if nothing is reaching the throat from the, uh, from the, from the nasal spray, um, then you, you should be fine. Eye and eardrops are okay. Eyes and uh, eardrops are okay. The, again, these are uh, issues that you will find differing opinions of the scholars on, uh, but they say eye and eardrops are okay. Again, some of them caution if you find anything in your throat because of an eye or eardrop, that could possibly break your fast. But again, these are not, uh, you know, your eyes and ears are not avenues which you take in, uh, you know, commonly food and, and stuff from. Uh, even the nose, because of the hadith, is mentioned. That's why we have it. But we don't have any nas or any text on uh, eyes and ears, except you know what the fuqaha have said in the past. But eye and ear drops should be fine. They should be okay. Again, if any of this can be avoided during the day of Ramadan, avoid it. If you can regulate the times when you take it in the you know uh, before Fajr, after Maghrib, just regulate the times just to be cautious, anyways. But uh, again, eye and ear drops should be okay, especially if you're not finding anything uh, in your throat. And the uh, question came up about inhalers. We mentioned inhalers are okay. Inhalers do not break your fast. Uh, they do not come up in the um, category of eating or drinking. You're not taking any nourishment uh, through them. And it's a medication that's helping you regulate. And it is important. Uh, but you're not eating or drinking anything uh, in that time. These are some of the common questions that come up uh, with the things that we have to, you know, uh, put spray, etc. in our in our faces uh, in, in these days. And so if you have allergies and you take some kind of you know, nasal spray, things like that. It should be fine as long as you don't find that, uh, you know, going down your uh, going down your throat. Uh, some other beneficial advice, again, uh, you know, don't take in too much water when making wudu, uh, just to try to avoid that. 
uh, and when you're especially when you're rinsing your mouth and your and your nose, uh, the miswak will not break your fast. So you can use the Prophet used to use the miswak while he was fasting. Uh, brushing your teeth again will not break your fast. And the scholars just say, you know, just don't swallow the water or the toothpaste, right? And so I think for most of us, when we brush our teeth, I don't think we're swallowing the toothpaste in the water anyways. If you are, just get out of that habit anyways. It's probably not a good idea. But again, you can brush your teeth. You can use a lesser amount of toothpaste if that makes you feel better. Uh, but you're absolutely allowed to brush your teeth, use toothpaste, etc. Just rinse your mouth out well and don't swallow, uh, you know, what you're rinsing your mouth off with and, and the toothpaste, etc. Um, uh, some other beneficial advice, especially during the days of fasting, is about utilizing our uh, our time. And so we're going to kind of transition now into what ruins the fast uh, spiritually. So these are things that don't break your fast, but they kind of render your effort a little, you know, either useless or, you know, damaged or et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, wasting time during the days of Ramadan, doing things that are, you know, just, just engaging in too much work, uh, Waste of time and useless things, useless activities is not encouraged, right? So you're fasting, you're abstaining from food and water, and you have the the big shayateen that are locked away. You have, you know, more angels around you that are encouraging you. And, uh, you know, most people tend to do more than they do anyways uh, about with, with their rituals, with their faith, etc. in Ramadan. But pushing yourself in this month for 29, 30 days is encouraged, right? So, you know, kind of utilizing that this is a special time and you're probably not going to use the rest of the year like you're going to use the days of Ramadan. That's a fact, right? And to expect to be using the rest of the year like you use Ramadan is not a, is not a real expectation. So, you know, but utilize the, the, the blessing of the day and the night to do as much good as you possibly can. So reading more Quran, making more dhikr, adding extra prayers, uh, you know, spending more in charity, going out and find, seeing if you can help somebody uh, with, with a, an issue or a problem that they have, etc. Use utilize your time to be as 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 fruitful as it can possibly be. And again, we understand that you know you are going to have some downtime, you are going to have some naps, you are going to have some you know time where you're just kind of relaxing because how much can you do, etc. It's fine, but you want to see a change in your day to uh, include more uh, good righteous things, not lessen the amount of righteous things and just let the time pass by, right? That's not what we want to get into the habit of. Uh, things that actually will ruin your fasting, number one, lying, right? Based on a text. So the Prophet said, that whoever does not give up lying and acting upon lies, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need for this person to give up their food or their drink. So if fasting is not improving your character, you're kind of missing the point of fasting, right? Yeah, the food and the drink and the abstinence, these are all things that we're, we're doing physically. But the purpose is that when we physically do these things, we're showing ourselves we can choose to stay away from things that are halal. Well, what about the things that are haram in the first place, right? So our character should be improving. If it's not, we're kind of missing the point of fasting. We're just checking off the box that we fulfill the ritual but we're really not getting much more out of it, right? And so this is the real points of fasting coming in, uh, coming in right now. Uh, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu said, "As-sa'im fi ibada ma lam musliman This is a companion of the Prophet sallallahu and his narration of this is obviously known to come from the Prophet sallallahu that the fasting person is in a state of worship as long as they do not uh, uh, backbite another Muslim nor cause them any harm. All right, so this is this is interesting. Like you're fasting and you're considered to be in an act of worship, but the minute you start talking bad about somebody, uh, you know, uh, unjustly and 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 uh, and, and, and in, in a manner that is not appropriate, uh, and backbiting is is you mention something about your brother or your sister to somebody else that it doesn't, you know, they don't have a stake, they don't need to know anything about them in the first place, and you are mentioning things that they would not like you to say about them if they were present. Right, and so you're now you're saying this about them when they're not present. That is that is the definition of uh, of backbiting. And the Prophet sallallahu was asked, "Well, what if we're what, what if what we are saying is true?" He said, "If what you're saying is true, it's backbiting. It's bad enough, right? And if what you're saying is not true, فقد بهتهو, then this is uh, slander. It's just even it's even worse. You're not not only are you talking about this person behind their back, you're lying about this person behind their back, right? So you have two things now that you've added on, and so this is something that we need to curb." In the in the days of Ramadan, number one, we need to be honest, no lying, uh, making sure that anything we're engaged with in our lives, if we're financially, you know, uh, earning our wealth by telling lies, 
you know, if if you're basically a scam artist calling people up and scamming them, you know, your your fast, uh, you know, the, the 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 spirituality of your fast is not worth uh, much at all. And then uh, obviously backbiting and any any kind of you know character uh, things that will that, that are that are bad for you are going to damage your uh, your 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 fast. Anas uh, anhu said, uh, The person who eats the flesh of people, meaning the person who backbites others, masama. It's not he's not fasting. This is not the because he, he's eating the flesh of other people, right? Backbiting is uh, metaphorically. Uh, you know, uh, likened to eating the flesh of your dead brother in, in in the Quran, and so he's saying, how can a person be fasting while they're eating the flesh of their of their of their brother, right? And so this is something that we want to be mindful of: cursing and abusing people, using bad language, uh, being uh, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive. These are all things that are going to render your fast uh, uh, probably useless. Because again, what is the point of fasting? To make you a better person. Uh, one of the things we, uh, subhanAllah, we must bring this up. Something that happens in Ramadan, which is extremely, extremely disappointing. Our domestic violence uh, you know, advocacy organizations are, 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 are people that are working on the front lines, helping victims of domestic violence in our community. In Ramadan, they get more calls than outside of Ramadan. And this is something that is beyond disappointing and beyond unbelievable. You know, it's just subhanAllah, it's disgusting. But if you are abusing someone verbally, emotionally, physically, uh, outside of Ramadan, it's bad. It's wrong. It needs to stop and that the person needs to be assisted and helped. But in Ramadan, in Ramadan, while you're fasting and sometimes using hunger and thirst as an excuse for anger and for abusive behavior, this is entirely, completely unacceptable. And this is something that's, again, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have any need for this kind of a person to give up their food and drink, what benefit are they, you know, if you're earning sin while you're fasting, what is the point of your fast? And so we need to be mindful of this. So how we behave with other people is absolutely essential to our fast. It's the purpose why we fast. It's not just for ourselves. It's for how we come off, uh, you know, spiritually, how we improve spiritually and how we improve in, in our community and in our families as well. So don't be cursing, abusing people. You know, don't be getting uh, angry and, and enraged uh, during the days of Ramadan. These are all things that will ruin the fast. And again, waste, uh, wasting time in, uh, in mindless things will also ruin the fast. All right, let's get up to making up missed days. If you break your fast either intentionally or unintentionally by eating, drinking, something similar, you have to make up the day. Uh, if it was intercourse, then it has to be make up a day plus uh, paying the kafara, which we talked about in the beginning of the video. Um, and so eating, drinking, release of seminal fluids, etc., taking anything that's nourishing. If you if your fast ends up broken and you have to make up the day, how do you make up the day, right? And so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions woman kana minkum aw ala safarin min ayamin when he was mentioning some of the exceptions from fasting. Whoever is sick or they are traveling. Then then a number of other days, right? So whatever you miss in Ramadan, you can make it up the rest of the year before the next Ramadan comes around. You have that window of time. Basically, you have like 11 months to make up uh, whatever you missed, one or two a week or, or 10, 20, whatever days you missed of your fasting. You have 11 months to make that up. And we have this because Aisha radiallahu anha uh, she said in a hadith, and she she narrates that كان يكون علي الصوم من رمضان فما أستطيع أن أقضي إلا في شعبان that I used to have days that I had to make up from Ramadan, and I sometimes couldn't do it except in Shaaban, meaning the month right before the next Ramadan. So you know, waiting until the next Ramadan is permissible. You have the window of time. Uh, doing it as soon as possible is preferred. Uh, because you're you're getting it out of the way, you're not gonna you know waste your response. But you have until the next uh, before the next Ramadan to make it up. Aisha radiallahu anha narrates that she used to do the same. She couldn't make it up uh, until that time because of whatever reason. Now it's not okay to delay it past another Ramadan. So if you have you know three days or five days that you had to make up from this Ramadan. You have until Sha'ban the next, uh, you know, the next year uh, to to make it up. But if another Ramadan comes, now you have to fast that Ramadan, and it goes, and you have, you know, fast left over from a previous Ramadan. And the fuqaha here, based on some of the 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 uh, evidences and texts that we have, 
you make up those days as well as you have to pay uh, uh, the fidya or you know you have to feed a poor person for each day of fasting that you're making up after having another Ramadan go by. I hope that was clear and I'll say it again. So again, it is preferred to make up these days as soon as possible. To do that, Doing them in succession is not necessary, but it is permissible to delay them until the next Ramadan, but not after the next Ramadan, unless it was for a valid reason. Uh, and I'll give an example here. Let's say you had uh, one fast to make up in the Ramadan. You waited until Sha'ban. Uh, you had you know two days left of Sha'ban and you were going to fast and make up that day. But now you fall sick and you cannot fast. And the Ramadan starts, right? Now you have an excuse for why you couldn't uh, have, uh, you know, fasted before the next Ramadan because you were going to if you hadn't gotten sick. And so that's an excused uh, uh, reason. So you don't have to, you only have to just make up the day. You don't have to pay, uh, you know, or feed a poor person for the day because you had the time. Allah has given you up until that day to make it up and you couldn't because you were sick. So you would just only fast a day. But if there's no reason, meaning you just let the whole 11 months go by, the next Ramadan comes and you're like, oops, I have to fast like five days from the last Ramadan. Then you have to make up those days as well as feed a poor person because we're being careless now with our uh, obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the, 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 the penalty goes up. For anyone that can't afford to do that, they would just make up the, uh, the days. They don't have to. Uh, you know, uh, do that unless somebody can give them uh, in sadaqah for them to kind of make up those days. Um, okay, I hope that was clear, inshallah. If it wasn't, please mention it in the comments and I will repeat it in a different way so that uh, that it, it becomes clear, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, and uh, and I think we did, we, so we mentioned pregnant and nursing mothers uh, in the first video about or last week's session uh, about those that are exempt. And again, if uh, any pregnant or nursing mother is, is finding fasting to be harmful, difficult, or if there is a fear either for her own health or for the health of her child, then it's it's fine for them to to uh, break the fast, meaning to not fast that day, and, and to make up at, at a later time uh, in the year. And I think we did mention that uh, the same rules apply for making up the fast. Again, if, uh, if there's no reason to delay it until next Ramadan, then you know they would just make up the day if uh, if they if they had no reason they missed the next Ramadan then they would also have to pay the fidya which is feeding a poor person for uh, for each day. All right, so that covers the the fasting portion. Before I move on to the portion on tarawih, if there are any questions uh, you guys have, please go ahead and plug them in the comments. I know it takes a little bit of delay from when I say things to when they reach you guys, so I'll wait a little bit. But go ahead and uh, if you have any questions about things that break the fast for making up days uh, let's let's go ahead and get those uh, addressed inshallah I think what I should do is probably make these notes available to you guys, inshallah. I can probably post them on my blog, and that way you can kind of refer to them uh, quickly, inshallah. Ta'ala. All right, no questions, mashallah. Hopefully, this is making sense, everybody. All right. If a question comes up while even uh, while I'm talking, you can guys can go ahead and plug it into the comments, and then uh, we'll ask, inshallah. Or if you want to keep it private, you can email email me, send me a direct message, uh, etc. Using the tip of your tongue, I'm not sure I understand the question here. Using the tip of your tongue for for tasting is that what's being asked? Tasting food, uh, you know. Uh, just since it, I brought it up, tasting food does not break your fast. It's not advised to do it during Ramadan unless you have a real reason to. Uh, that real reason comes from um, uh, you know people that work in in the culinary field, people that are chefs. Their job depends on you know how they prepare their food, etc. So some of the scholars they address these questions from uh, from them, and so they say again, tasting food will not break your fast. Just like if you're using medication that you're applying to your teeth and your gums, etc. Uh, you know, if that's not, if you're not swallowing it, it's not going down your throat, 
It's not going to break your fast if it's absorbed in your mouth. Similarly, if you taste something on your tongue, it's, it's not going down your throat. You're not actually eating it. It's not going to break your fast and you can spit it out, etc. afterwards. But it's not advised to do. So if you don't have to do it, if you know, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't do it. Uh, again, just out of caution that you might, uh, you know, take something into your, uh, into your, into your throat and down your, down to your stomach. All right. Um, some of the other things that I think we, we mentioned intimacy in the very beginning, uh, you know, uh, kissing does not break your fast. And obviously, you know, like, you know, pecs, uh, etc. The Prophet ﷺ is known to have, you know, kissed his wives in, in the days of Ramadan and it did not uh, not break his fast. But again, don't go overboard. All right. Let's go to Taraweeh, inshallah. Let's talk about Taraweeh. So. We are probably prepping for a Ramadan that is likely going to be, uh, uh, you know, we're still going to be isolated from uh, from the masjid. And so we're we're expecting that, we're pre preparing for that. And, uh, you know, that's going to definitely impact uh, our taraweeh, our ability to pray this prayer in this massive congregation that we do in the nights of Ramadan. We have hundreds of people that come every single night, uh, stand for prayer. Uh, many of them stay the whole night. Uh, so that we you know as we as we finish the recitation of the Quran, etc., etc. But you know how can we still have taraweeh if we're not going to have the masjid open? And so I want to talk about it because we, we all, all of us come to it in you know uh, during Ramadan in our previous Ramadans we're already kind of familiar with what it is. Uh, but we want to talk a little bit about quickly what taraweeh actually is and with the with the perspective of you can perform it at home. That is actually how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in the time of the Prophet وسلم, prayed taraweeh. So taraweeh is not anything different from qiyamul layl or tahajjud, right? Technically speaking, it's the same thing. It's a night prayer. Uh, you know, the Prophet وسلم, prayed it three times in Ramadan in congregation. And how it happened was really interesting as well. He didn't announce it. He came out of his house in the nights of Ramadan one night and he started his Qiyamul Layl, he started praying the night prayer that he would normally pray. And the people that were in the masjid, because it's Ramadan at late at night, they joined him in their in their prayer. And uh Qiyamul Layl or Tahajjud or the night prayer can be prayed individually and it can be prayed in congregation. Sometimes that some of the companions, the younger companions would spend, you know, uh the night at the Prophet house and they would just so they could pray the night prayer with him outside of Ramadan even, right? So he prayed this prayer, people prayed behind him. The next night, they, the people that prayed with him, وسلم, told people, hey, the Prophet came out and he prayed in the masjid that night. So, you know, wait in the masjid, maybe he'll come out again tonight and we can all pray with him again. And that happened another night. And then a third night as well. And then on the fourth night, there were more people gathered, but the Prophet وسلم, did not come out. He didn't mention anything. He didn't come out. They waited, they waited, they waited all night. He did not come out. He came out uh, close to Fajr time and, you know, they... They asked him, you know, you didn't come out, we were waiting for you. If you came out, we would have prayed with you, we would have loved to pray with you. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said to them, I didn't do it because I, I fear that you will take it as an obligation. I didn't want anyone to think that this night prayer in Ramadan is an obligation. It's a sunnah, you know, so uh, that is the mercy of Allah and the rahmah and also the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ, uh, in, in the way that he legislated things for us. But the people would pray on their own, Qiyamul Layl, especially in the nights of Ramadan, right? Uh, and so the Taraweeh becomes something now that, you know, after the Prophet ﷺ's death, it was carried on. Some people would pray it in their homes. Some people would pray it in the masjid. Many people were gathering in the masjid and they were doing their small circles of maybe a few people here, a few people praying together there. And uh, Umar ﷺ, he noticed this and he said, look, if we're all praying in the masjid anyways, why don't we just pray together behind one imam? And so uh, he designated an imam and he designated that they pray uh, 20 raka'at, that he lead them in 20 raka'at. And they call it taraweeh because taraweeh means to take a break, to take a rest. After every four raka'at, they would take a break, they would take a rest, and then they would continue praying. Now, what's important to understand about taraweeh, it's just, it's the night prayer. And so at home during the days or the nights of Ramadan, if we cannot be in the masjid, we can pray that prayer at home, either individually or in congregation with our families. In congregation, it is better because any prayer in congregation is worth more. And it's it, again, this is the practice of the of the Muslims from uh, from very very early on, from the time of the Prophet ﷺ when he led the people in prayer, establishing that sunnah to Umar radiAllahu anhu gathering the people uh, in the in the masjid as well. And so the Sahaba radiAllahu anhu have have validated it. So this is a sunnah. 
prayer that we have. It's an important prayer that we have. So praying it at home with your family is a really, really good idea to kind of keep that momentum of Ramadan going. Now, do you have to pray 20 raka'at? Actually, I want to ask you guys this question. What is the correct number of raka'at for Taraweeh prayer? Go ahead and use the comments there. Because we have a debate uh, sometimes in the community that is it 8 raka'at or is it 20 raka'at? Let's have some fun. What do you guys think? Don't be afraid to answer, guys. Fix is fun. This is how we learn. What is the correct number of taraweeh? Of, of raka'at for taraweeh? The correct No one's going to dare to say a number, subhanAllah. We have some non-controversial people on today, mashallah, mashallah. All right, all right. So there is no set number of raka'at for taraweeh, right? There is no set number. The Prophet, وسلم, his habit was praying uh, between you know 8 to 10 raka'at of the night prayer. Uh, Umar radiallahu anhu gathered people on, on 20. Uh, uh, Imam uh, in, in the madhab of Imam Malik, it's known that they would pray 36 raka'at for uh, uh, for taraweeh. Right? There is absolutely there's no set number for. And again, this goes back to the Prophet's teaching of Qiyamul Layl. He says, pray two raka'at at a time until you you know fear of fajr is about to come. Then you do your witr prayer, which is your odd number one raka'at of the prayer. And but there's so there's no set number. So you, you're not mandated. Uh, to pray 20 raka'at, meaning you do not have to fulfill 20 raka'at of taraweeh in order to be considered having prayed taraweeh or the night prayer, etc. Whatever would be feasible and easy. Now again, we do 20 because that is the practice of Umar radiallahu anhu. That is just something that's you know been uh, easily formatted to pray with the community in order to finish the Quran in the in the month of Ramadan, etc., etc. Making the the, num, uh, the the length of standing not so long. These are the things that are to be considered, uh, really. In, in uh, you know, if you're praying with a group of people that want to stand for a longer time and they're all fine with it, then you can pray eight raka'at and stand for a longer period of time. That's perfectly fine. You can do ten raka'at. You can do twelve, fourteen, sixteen, twenty. You can do more than twenty. You can do thirty. You can do forty. You can do sixty. You can, you know, extend the number of raka'at as much as you. There's no set number that you know you if you meet it you've met the rawi. If you don't or you go above and beyond. That is not the case, right? And we know that from uh, the different uh, number of raka'at that uh, the different schools of thought prayed and the different uh, communities in the Muslim world prayed uh, throughout the years. The, the purpose is to stand in the nights of Ramadan and recite Qur'an. The minimum, yes, the minimum is two. The minimum is two raka'at, right? And the maximum is however many raka'at you want to do. The number of raka'at is not really the issue here. It's standing in the night for prayer and getting your family to stand with you. Now, again, we're talking about the, the kind of Ramadan we're likely going to go through this year. So you want to pray with your families. And you can gather your families together. If you have children, you can tell them, look, we're going to pray uh, four raka'at as a family if you have really small kids, right? Or eight raka'at as a family if you have older kids. You can kind of uh, figure out what's going to be a good length of time for your family. And then you can lead your family in that uh, in, 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 in that prayer and then if the kids get tired after a certain amount, they can go and do their thing. You know, the spouses can continue to pray or you can continue to pray individually as well. Uh, it's better if you guys pray together and you end that prayer with witr and you do that for, you know, a good length of time, whatever would be an appropriate length of time for your for your family. You can decide that together as a, as a family. So you can do maybe eight raka'at. Uh, you know, or 10 rakat, etc. But the length of time depends on how much of the Quran are you reading. So the other question that I want to ask you guys is, is it also in order, is it a, do you have to finish the recitation of the Quran in Ramadan in Taraweeh in order for that to count as Taraweeh? Do you have to finish the Quran?
What do you guys think? Shalom, we got some really cautious people, mashallah. That's good. It's good. You do not have to finish the recitation of the Quran in Taraweeh in order for that to count as your Taraweeh. Again, it's about uh, praying uh, for a certain length of time. SubhanAllah, if you hear a little bit of rain, it just started raining here. SubhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it beneficial rain, inshaAllah. But you don't have to finish the Quran. It's not a mandate, right? It's not something you have to do. Now, it is something that is that has been, uh, uh, you know, passed down from the generations of of of, of our history. Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, uh, you know, narrates he he saw he witnessed the prayer uh, in in Mecca. Sufyan ibn Uyayna, who was one of the imams of the of the Sunnah, early early times of Islam, we're talking about here. Uh, they would finish the Quran in the Taraweeh in there. Uh, in their in their uh, in in the prayer in, in Ramadan, and so that's something that has been passed down. It is a practice of the Muslims from generation to generation to generation that in the masajid, in the public gatherings, they do finish the Quran, the Quran uh, through the Taraweeh prayer. But it's not a requirement, right? So again, we're talking about our Ramadan with our families at home. What can we do? We can establish our own mini Tarawees. We can pray with our families, and we can pray with them for a length of time that would be. Uh, appropriate, doable, easy for them. Again, the kids can maybe pray four to eight rakat, etc., and then kind of move on. The adults can continue to pray longer, uh, and, and then you know, and then finish with their uh, witr prayer. The kids can join for the witr prayer or pray on their own. It's fine, but you know, it's it's the you set the length of time that would be again. So here's a couple of things to consider. Not something that's too easy because the purpose is to exert some effort in worship, right? So not something that's too simple and too easy. And not something that's going to be burdensome and create, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, weariness and tiredness, etc. So you want to kind of have a balance between the two. So you want to push yourself, but you don't want to overdo it because you want to continue to push yourself consistently for the 30 days uh, of Ramadan. So if you're going to push yourself so much that after 10 days, you're going to be like, ah, you know, I'm going to take a break. I can't do this anymore. That's, that, that defeats the purpose, right? So you want to push yourself just enough that you can keep that consistency going. And however, number of, many number of raka'at that is, whatever the length of time that is, you can set that. So, you know, generally speaking, Taraweeh lasts for about an hour and 45 minutes uh, that we do in the masjid, right? So it's about between, you know, under two hours. And so you want to kind of use that and, and with your family and say, okay, maybe an hour is a good time. Maybe 45 minutes is a good time. Uh, maybe 30 minutes for the kids is a good time, etc. But you want to kind of schedule, you're, you're flexible to schedule this out as it will be, uh, you know, comfortable and still an ex a little bit of push for your family, but not too easy, not too difficult, uh, kind of a balance in between, right? And so you guys can absolutely pray Taraweeh at home with your families, uh, and and we will. I, I, I intend on sharing more details about that, inshallah, uh, before Ramadan comes around. Inshallah, preparing some graphics, documents, etc., just so you guys can uh, use as resources and, and what to do. Uh, but again, we know that the stand, standing in the nights of Ramadan, either after Isha or waiting until that last third of the night, the whole night, you know, uh, you know, but praying in the nighttime in Ramadan is something that is uh, that is uh, 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 that was encouraged by the Prophet sallallahu in the Hadith in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. He said, "Man qama Ramadana imanu wahtisaba, ghufila lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbihi." That whoever stands in Ramadan for prayer, stands in Ramadan for prayer with faith and expecting the reward of Allah subhanahu wa taala, whatever came before of their sins will be forgiven. And he said the same thing about fasting. So fasting is a means to forgive your sins of the past. Uh, standing in prayer is a means to forgive your sins of the past. So the taraweeh is an established prayer in Ramadan. It's an important prayer in Ramadan. We don't want to ignore it if the masjid is not open. We want to make sure we do it, but you can do it uh, comfortably. You can do as much as you can. Uh, you know, the, again, the minimum would be two raka'at, but we would say that is the absolute minimum and that that's not really the, you know, we can all exert more effort than the absolute minimum, right? That's that's kind of what well, the, 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 the picture I'm trying to paint here is. So, you know, my recommendation for a minimum uh, would be at least eight raka'at. Eight raka'at, you know, you stand as a family. With kids, maybe less, right? With kids, maybe four raka'at, extend the time of recitation so they're standing for a while. Uh, but at least for adults, you know, it should be eight raka'at. You know, you're exerting some kind of effort. 
you know, you do lose sleep in Ramadan. That's part of Ramadan is losing sleep and not getting enough and kind of being tired, waking up early for suhoor. That's kind of the whole uh, vibe we get in, in, in Ramadan. We should be putting that, uh, that effort. Uh, it should not be like any other day, basically, right, uh, that we normally have to do. So again, just a reminder. Now, you can also, uh, in any of your non-obligatory prayers, it is fine to hold the mushaf uh, or your phone or anything that you can read the Quran off of, right? It's fine to do that. Uh, and uh, for the the, uh, the optional prayers, there's a difference of opinion between some schools, but we have a narration where Aisha radiallahu anha would have somebody lead her in salah and they would hold uh, you know, a, a, something to read off of while they were doing that. Uh, and in, uh, and I think some of the schools of thought, it's actually preferred to lead taraweeh in the manner that you're actually reading from the text rather than just your own memory as well. So there is there's enough uh, uh, evidence out there to say it's fine. You can hold the mushaf in your hand. You can hold, you know, they have these small, you get these like 30, uh, the Quran broken down into like 30 uh, juz or 30 paras, 30 parts already. It's easier to hold. You can do that. If you have your phone, you can do that. Just don't get distracted. Put on airplane mode, or, uh, airplane mode or something. Don't be like texting while you're leading taraweeh. Uh, it's also okay to follow along. So if you're praying behind someone that's leading, it's fine to also hold the mushaf, follow along. Just be mindful of where you put that mushaf in the rest of the motions of prayer. Again, we want to be respectful to the Quran and the mushaf as well. Uh, so don't put it on the floor. You know, have something, a chair, a pillow or something that you can put it on top of when you're in ruku or sujood, etc., uh, be mindful of always respecting the Quran, but uh, it's it's fine to hold the mushaf and and read uh, from it as well. So those are just some things on taraweeh. Inshallah, we hope to share some more about taraweeh as uh, as the weeks go on before Ramadan, so that you guys will have some some resources, some more uh, things to look at. Uh, and really quickly, I'll end just with zakatul fitr. Zakatul fitr uh, for the past few years has been ten dollars per person. Uh, it is a, a charity that is mandated on anyone that can afford it, uh, meaning anyone that does not need it themselves. Zakatul Fitr is supposed to be about uh, what is called a sa' uh, in, in the uh, the measurement of the Prophet وسلم, of the uh, the staple food of, of your land, right? And so that's kind of what it is. And so you're giving, uh, it works out to being around five pounds, Um we're adding a little bit here, uh, kind of saying that, but it works out to be about like uh, five or a little bit more than five pounds of the staple food of your of your land. And you give that to the poor people, you would give that amount per person of your family to uh, a family or a poor person that needs it uh, so that they don't have to be hungry on the day of Eid. That is the purpose of the, the Zakatul Fitr. We collect it from uh, the moment Ramadan starts, we start collecting it. The past few years, it's been $10 per person. Uh, and then we uh, distribute that to uh, the needy Muslims in our community, around our community, in our state, uh, in the form of either food packages or grocery cards so that they can go and purchase the food that they uh, they themselves need. This is how we at RCM at least distribute uh, the zakat al-fitr. And so you just want to make sure if, you know, if you're going to pay your zakat anyways, you know, you're someone that's not in need yourself, then, you know, you will pay uh, that amount per person in the family. And that's that obligation is only for the person that is earning for the family, the person that is the, the one responsible for earning for the family, head of the household, uh, generally speaking, that is uh, that is the uh, the father figure or the husband or the, the man who is responsible for, you know, Islamically responsible for providing for the household. They would pay that uh, zakat on behalf of every member of their family. Uh, whether or not you pay it for a child in the womb, there's difference of opinion. Uh, out of caution, you can. Uh, but you don't have to pay it for the child in the womb, but anyone that's a living member, of, I mean, or, or a present member of your family outside of the womb, uh, you would pay it uh, for them, but you can pay it on behalf of uh, any unborn child that is still in the, the womb of their mother. But again, $10 per person. The best way to uh, disperse of it is to actually deliver those food packages, grocery cards yourself to someone you know, a Muslim you know that is needy. Uh, all of the obligatory charities are distributed to Muslims because this is now this is this is an obligation for us to support our our uh, brothers and sisters in Islam. Optional charities can go to anyone. Uh, obligatory charities go to our brothers and sisters in Islam. And so the best way to do it is to actually take it physically yourself to the person that needs it. Uh, you uh, yourself are dispensing of that zakat, uh, but it's perfectly fine to give it to organizations like the masjid or other organizations that will then dispense and move it forward uh, for other people. Uh, you know, at RCM, we, we distribute this locally. 
subhanallah we i think and, and, and i don't i can't remember the number we shared on this but we uh between 12 to 16 thousand dollars uh, is what we um i think distributed last year for sakatul fitr and we distribute it meaning we we get that out to people that absolutely need it and so all of that 12 to 16 thousand dollars that comes in within a month it's 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 gone it has to go because it's zakat we can't keep that money it absolutely has to go the, again so we do distribute that locally uh you you can distribute it locally you can give it to organizations for refugees anyone you know so there are a lot of good causes to give it to but you want to make sure you give it absolutely before the day of eid it has to be given before the day of eid uh, and you can you can start giving it out as early as the beginning of ramadan inshallah uh, ta'ala that is all i had to cover for uh, the rest of part two uh, alhamdulillah we kept it to an hour alhamdulillah if you guys have any questions uh, plug it into the comments if you don't want to ask it publicly here you can always email me imam at razumasjid.org uh, you can uh, message me on, uh, if you have me on Facebook, you can message us on Facebook as well from RCM. Uh, if you want to be more, again, you can find me on Instagram, you can message me there. So I'm available online uh, through multiple uh, means for you guys to reach out, inshallah. I had very few questions today, mashallah. I was expecting more about breaking the fast. to all the Jazakumullah khairans. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put immense barakah in y'all's day. And inshallah this Ramadan comes over us and we are uh, ready to prepare for it again. The Ramadan workshop is on the 18th. So, you know, we're going to address more of how to go through Ramadan during quarantine on the 18th. Inshallah today was just more about the, the, the rules and regulations, etc. Uh, of that. But join us on the 18th. Inshallah we'll have Sheikh Yasir Bajas, Ustadha Fatima Let. Uh, we'll have a nutritionist uh, on board with us, uh, Sister Yaqutullah Muhammad and uh, Dr. Asim Kidwa'i, inshallah, physician as well. So we'll have some good recommendations and a good opportunity to ask uh, a lot of, of questions. Wa alaikum as Also, guys, just uh, as we talked about Zakatul Fitr, if you have uh, the capacity, inshallah, please keep donating to, you know, go to RCM's website, donate through our Sadaqah and Zakat funds. We are, there's more of a need to distribute now to our needy families. And so we are collecting, uh, you know, because we're, we're actually distributing a lot more than we normally do. People are affected in their work, etc. Uh, so please do uh, donate so we can continue to help our communities and also donate to the masjid because we still have to, uh, you know, pay a lot of the uh, masjid expenses. Uh, just because the masjid is closed, we still have to kind of get certain things uh, out of the way, inshallah. So please make sure you guys are uh, helping us with that. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.